Jordan. Ian. Who wanted to start a cleaning service, accidentally typed in the wrong search term to Google, and now has a non-refundable wardrobe full of sexy maid outfits? George Lucas? No. Two guys. What the <laughs> Thank God he sold the franchise to Disney. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of Two Guys What's Up, the weekly comedy podcast where two guys fight against the powers that keep them separate to bring you truth and knowledge in one completely true, unedited, hilarious fact bomb. No, Ian, no, Ian. Stay away from facts. Have you learnt your lesson this time? I don't think I have, you know. I keep researching more facts, thinking, this one might be good. Yeah, it's like that gambler's fallacy. You just keep chasing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It will be better. The next one will be good. <laughs> and then we'll record it and we'll think it sounds amazing and then edit it again. It'll just sound shit. You did put effort into it as well, which is even more tragic. That's the thing. I don't really think I did, so that's probably my own fault. Maybe that's why it was so shit. Well, speaking of, actually, yep. I have had a little bit of feedback from friends regarding episode 22. Oh, yeah. Which, at the time of recording, episode 22 just came out this week. It did. And uh, so one of them says, thanks, Ian. I really needed an early night. That one put me right to sleep. <laughs> Is that my mum? Because she said that to me as well. <laughs> did she? <laughs> Uh, another one. I just came in, actually, just before we sat down to record today. Oh, brilliant. Can't wait to hear this one. Go on. Oh, Ian, that should have come with a warning. I was driving and dozing off. <laughs> I did say it during that episode that we should probably put a warning that it was going to be shit. You did, actually. You did. <laughs> but the, the last one that I just said ends with, but Jordan, mate, you were on top form as always. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, of course, of course. Loving your facts, mate. Keep them coming. I don't think that's lovely. That was signed off by user ID Jordan's the best underscore Ian Take Note. <laughs> oh, isn't that nice? How sweet. Don't you think it's lovely to get some constructive feedback? Yeah, and I'm really loving your creativity and your usernames there. I, I struggled to read that. It's definitely not me. <laughs> Anyway, how are you this week? What have you been up to? I'm good. I'm all right. I'm still not quite fully there with my uni pizza oven, but it's work in progress. Uh, are you sure you're not just using that as an excuse to sort of keep having to have pizzas every day? Oh, like I would do that. So, oops, burnt another one. Better keep trying. <laughs> it's like my wife's going shouting to me, Jordan, it's fucking 2am, get inside. <laughs> yeah, my wife would be like, Ian, go on, right? You've put on eight stones since you got that goddamn pizza. We've spent £4,000 on toppings. You're in debt up to your fucking eyeballs cheese so quite as i put i have to i have to get the best pizza <laughs> like rolling around the back garden between ingredients this crust <laughs> flying out of your mouth yeah. as a mid-chomp gobful <laughs> i just can't stop i have to get the best one <laughs> darling will you get some more gas please <laughs> yeah. darling i can't move can you please you go just... to tesco's and just get me some mozzarella i just need one more bag <laughs> you forever stuck outside <laughs> Because you can't get in. As long as my wife is an enabler and continues to feed my pizza addiction, then I'm fine with that. I can live outside. I mean, it doesn't sound like she is, though. You're just saying that she just kept telling you to come in and stop. Yeah, but the more she sees that she's getting the bed to herself, I'm sure the more she'll fall in love with the idea of me sitting outside eating pizzas. Yeah, fair enough, actually. That does make total sense. The more she has to not interact with me, the happier she will be. <laughs> I think that's a mutual thing with wives, isn't it? Yeah, every single time I'm like, oh, I've got to go recording tonight, I just see 
the smile just <laughs> rise on her face. She's just like, oh, oh, well, I'll have such a sad night without you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, do take your time. Don't worry about me. My wife actually said that to me the other night. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm just going upstairs for a second. She was like, oh, okay, why? What are you doing? I was like, oh, I just need to go and like do something on the computer. She's like, okay, take your time. Oh, amazing. Like, okay. <laughs> I was like, you don't need to tell me to take my time. I'll probably just take as much time as I need to. So she's like, okay, yeah, well, just don't, you know, don't rush. That's so, so All funny. right. That's really like rubbing salt into the wound. <laughs> that was literally her saying, fuck off. <laughs> get out. Yeah. Don't come back. Yeah, fuck off. Go to the shop. Get me some mozzarella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if she hears this and uh, she hears that that could be a possibility, I am completely anticipating coming home tomorrow and just finding the fridge stocked full of pizza toppings and a uni pizza oven in the back garden. That wouldn't be a bad surprise, though would it not at all anyway how are you uh, i'm all right i've had a pretty uneventful a week to be honest one thing that's pretty cool is i've updated my mic so i'm hoping i sound a little sexier than before and not just shitter in 4k so to speak <laughs> please whatever you do don't christen it with facts <laughs> well funnily enough john <laughs> Would I dare? I am steering clear. It is perfect timing that I've had a boring week because that gives me plenty of time to tell you a listener submission that we have received from an old friend of mine who we have actually mentioned on the podcast before, way back in episode five. Okay. Mr. Moonback. Oh, hello, Moonback. Yeah, and oddly enough, after that last episode aired, he actually did tell me that he didn't mind his name being mentioned on the show. So, Paul, I know you're listening. So now your name is out there. Don't come crying to me when you start getting stalked by two guys what's up super fans asking questions like what was Ian really like in college and how big really is Jordan's long John Jordan schlong you brought this on yourself <laughs> This is when Kim comes a-knocking, is it? I've heard from her again, you know. Oh, no, you're joking. I'm not. I screenshotted all the emails, so I'm going to get into that another time. But um, Okay, let me know next week. Well, yeah, she's been back in touch. Can't wait. It's, it's gold. Anyway, Paul sent us a couple stories from when he was young. And uh, reading these, I, I genuinely got shivers. And it's, it's not really easy to freak me out. So buckle up and hold on to your nipples, because these stories from his childhood, which are true, are creepy as hell. Okay, I think I'm ready. And you haven't had a chance to read these, have you? Because I told you not to. No. No, I, I started to, and then you said, oh, if you haven't, don't read it. So I haven't, I yeah. haven't done that. So you were like, oh, look, a message from Paul. When I was young, and then all of a sudden a text comes through, it's like, don't fucking read it! it like, I'm watching you. It's like those classic memes where someone says something, and then it's like FBI text at the top of the screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay where you are. <laughs> right, so his stories, he has titled the first one, The Funeral Church. And he says, the stories I'm about to tell you are completely true, and to this day, I still have no explanation for as a boy, I had two close friends. Together, we would fill our spare time by exploring the town we lived in and generally get up to a little bit of mischief here and there. When we were 12, we were taking full advantage of the summer holidays. I believe it was a Saturday afternoon and we had wandered into a graveyard. The same graveyard in which our very own Ian spent his teen years living with his parents. And that is true. That is the graveyard that I grew up in and he is talking about a church that was literally about 100 yards from my house. Yeah. As we mentioned this in the early episodes, didn't we? Yeah, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool because him telling these stories it's not just me reading like off a forum somewhere and being like oh yeah that's a creepy story i can literally attest to the facts that they they are true yes good point yeah it's real cool he continues in the center of the graveyard is an old dilapidated funeral church which hasn't been used for well over 50 years from what his research says the doors and windows were at the time and still are covered with steel sheet metal which is true all were covered except one of the small windows that was built off of the main funeral hall the curious souls that we were at that age we could not resist climbing through this small window to see what treasures we could find inside. Even as small, skinny 11-year-old boys, we still found it extremely hard to squeeze ourselves through the narrow openings, but once we were inside, we were blown away by what we saw. 
everything was still there. The vicar's lectrum, the pews, and even the religious paraphernalia hanging on the walls, all of which was in an extreme state of decay. There was even candles still on the holders of the wax, dripping, frozen in time as if the candles had only been lit the night before. Mm. We explored as much as we could before we decided to leave the church and go to the corner shop over the road and get some cans of pop and sweets before heading somewhere else to continue our fun. However, once we'd finished our treats, about ten minutes later or so, we decided to go back to the church and investigate once more. But he says at this, he wish he hadn't. Right, okay. And this is where the proper spooks comes in. Spook me, bitch. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was really aggressive, wasn't it? That's right, mate. Turn me on a little. <laughs> and me. <laughs> My table's levitating, actually. <laughs> I'm getting a full-on semi over here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be impressed if it lifted the table as a semi. <laughs> I knew there was a reason I podcasted naked. Shame you use it your work's office, isn't it? Yeah, everyone around me is like staring at me. <laughs> it's a normal thing until I get an erection. That freaks them out. <laughs> Sorry, right, they won't be able to tell. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> So, he says, Again, I clambered through the small window first, with great difficulty, and once I was in, I stretched out my arm to assist one of my friends through who was climbing in after me. But as I did, I heard a noise to my right. I turned and looked towards the far end of the church, and there, standing about 25 feet away from me, was a tall and slender man dressed in smart black trousers and shoes with a black shirt and tie which was tucked into his trousers, all of which were not of the style of the 90s. He had long hair tied back with what appeared to be a small piece of hessian or rope, and had ghostly pale complexion. Ugh, like Slenderman. Yeah, yeah, this, this is the bit that got me, though. He turned his body in acknowledgement and, without hesitation, started frantically marching towards me. Ugh. How fucking grim is that? So he says, After I could break myself from the terror of what I was seeing, I screamed run to my friends and I dived through that narrow opening without even touching the sides. As we ran as fast as we could to the entrance to the graveyard, we turned around to see the man standing in the window, just staring out at us as if to see us off, and we never went back in there again. That's really really strange. Ugh. He does bring up a couple points just to sort of round it off, like which I like, because right. it's not just like, oh, here's the story at the end. But he says, I understand this story might not seem like much to a lot of people, but there are two points that you'd like to make before people make up their own minds and try to just explain things away. One, the only way into that church was through the narrow window, which can't have been any wider than eight or nine inches, and we had checked all of the windows and doors prior to going in there ourselves. Absolutely everything was boarded over with sheet metal, which is true. I can say I've, I've been around that church multiple times, at every angle and every single door and window is boarded up. Right, okay. And he says, When the man marched over towards me, his smart black shoes made absolutely no sound on the wooden floorboards that spanned the entire floor of the church. It was as if someone had hit a mute button. The church was extremely echoey, and even when we were in there, our young feet seemed to thunder through the church. Mm. I have to say, Paul... It's very poetically written. Uh, how long have you known me? It's not my name. Sorry, I was referring to Mr. Moonback. <laughs> it's what? <laughs> you mean it's not, Paul? No, I definitely didn't think that it was written by you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still super creepy. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, can you just can you imagine like being in a confined space and seeing that, and then without hesitation, it starts coming towards you? I mean, like in scary movies and stuff, like you see it, and then it disappears behind a corner. You're like, ooh, spooky. But then it's just like in your face, and it's like, I'm coming for you. That's, like, terrifying. Yeah, silently, like, running after you. Yeah. Ooga ooga boogie. (laughs) I don't think it would have said that. (laughs) That's uh, every ghost catchphrase, isn't it? (laughs) 
<laughs> he goes on to tell us a second story. And again, this one just completely terrified me because, again, I've been in Paul's house when we were younger and I know the layout of it and I can see it happening exactly as he is describing it and it's freaking me out. Mm. He says, so fast forward four years or so, my parents, my younger sister and I had moved into a beautiful but old house which used to be the gatehouse to a mansion at the top of a private driveway. The entire estate had a lot of history, some of which we knew was quite dark. Several people had died in the gatehouse in which we lived and it was the most paranormally active place I have ever been or lived in. Right, okay. He says, I was 14 or 15 at the time and my bedroom was directly opposite the upstairs bathroom. I remember waking up around 3.30 in the morning needing to use the bathroom so I sleepily dragged myself up and walked over to my door. I opened it, took one step from my bedroom, it was pitch black and I could just about make out the door handle in front of me. I stretched out my arm to reach and my hand was about two or three inches away from the door and from downstairs at the bottom of the spiral staircase I heard a very loud angry female voice sternly ask, who's up there? Right, okay. He says, I froze completely stiff in terror. Without moving my head, I just adjusted my eyes to look down the stairs to the hallway, but couldn't see anything but darkness. After what felt like an age, probably only a few seconds in reality, I slowly backed into my bedroom, quietly closed the door and waited for the first sign of light and the sounds of birds, and only then did I feel safe to leave my bedroom and go to the bathroom. Poor guy, he must have pissed himself. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine dancing around your room trying to be quiet as to not interrupt <laughs> this spooky lady downstairs? I guess he didn't recognise the voice either. Well, he told me, uh, he called me like a couple of days after and I was talking to him about these stories and he said he knows what his mum sounds like and obviously he could hear her sort of, you know, snoring away in her bedroom. So he knew that she was upstairs. His sister, as I recall, was about uh, five, maybe younger. Right. So it definitely couldn't have been her. They're very two creepy experiences. And can we say as well, well, Paul was really interested, wasn't he, in that um, Pontifract house? Yeah, yeah. Paul absolutely made it clear, as well did uh, somebody else, that they want to come along with us if we ever go. So that'll be cool. We'll have to get like 10 extra mics to mic people up. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I- I'm sorry, I'm losing you again. <laughs> Don't you start that again. You almost had me. <laughs> I could just like hear the cogs going in your head. Then <laughs> it just clicks. Uh, Paul does just finish off with one final paragraph saying, Later on that day, I looked into it with my mum. We found out that in the early 1900s, the wife of one of the groundsmen had found her husband in bed with a maid. She killed them both with a hammer and then hung herself in the woods next to the house. Oh, excellent. I love this light-hearted comedy podcast. <laughs> oh, light entertainment for you on a Monday morning. <laughs> No, but genuinely, thanks, Paul, for sharing that. If anybody else has any creepy, spooky stories of their past, please let us know. Do, yeah, absolutely. Do tell us at twoguyswhatsup at gmail.com. Yeah, send it in. We'll read it out. Maybe, if you're lucky. <laughs> no, we probably will, because we need the content. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's wasted 24 minutes, so smash in. We can just wrap up now, shall we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, what are you actually talking about today, Ian? Uh, so, today I am going to be going into a real creepy mystery. I was going to be telling you about a conspiracy, but I think I'm going to save that for next week, because you know when, like, you want to do something, you're not quite sure what you want to do, and then all of a sudden, something comes into your head, and you're like, that's what I'm doing. Pyramid facts. Yeah, pyramid facts part two. Buckle up, people. Get your pies out as we delve into... <laughs> I can already hear people switching off. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to be going into a creepy mystery that has really intrigued me. It's a, a lighthouse that is... Sorry, I forgot to write this, so I don't know if you can tell I'm going off the top of my head. All right, uh, one minute, right. Let me, let me concisely put it into one sentence. Creepy lighthouse mystery. There you go. Amazing. And what are you going to be going into today? Pyramid facts. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so today I've got a compiled list of 10 strange everyday things that we all secretly do, but we never really like to admit to. 
Okay. Have you gone through this list and come up with your estimation of how many of these things I do? <clears throat> I've, I, you know, I've had to cut so many out because I thought I can't be saying that. <laughs> Wank in the shower. <laughs> no, nope, can't say that one. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you don't have a, a glass shower screen as well, and then you forget to clean that. <laughs> I just told my wife it's shower gel. Oh no! <laughs> just keep it there as a you know. If you ever run out in the bottles, there's a there's a big load of it on here on the glass. So just you know, give that a little wipe off, and then in your hair, you're all good. Beautiful. Okay, without further ado, I will jump into my creepy lighthouse mystery. Please do. Once upon a time, in the desolate corner of the world, in the lighthouse perched upon the treacherous cliffs of Eileen Moore, part of the flat... <laughs> what? Already, Jordan, I'm two seconds in. What, pal? <laughs> Just what a name. Eileen Moore than what? anybody else. Oh. <laughs> well, that is a possibility. It is a lighthouse, so, you know, it's, a, it's on a windy cliff, so... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just so you know, if you interrupt me again, you will have ten minutes taken off your life. Um, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to start again? Because I was, I was literally like three words in. Yeah, go for it. Once upon a time, in a desolate corner of the world, in a lighthouse perched upon the treacherous cliffs of... Jordan? Eileen Moore. Part of the Flannan Islands, a bizarre mystery occurred. Its beacon, normally used to cut through the darkness, guiding sailors to safety amidst the tempestuous sea, had for some reason, on this night, not turned on, and an unsettling darkness fell upon the lighthouse and its keepers. Anything you want to add? Spooky. On the 15th of December, 1900. Sorry. Oh my god. Right, crack on. Do you think that beacon of light didn't quite work because it was leaning too much? Yeah, it was just like acting as a makeshift bat signal. What's what's a bat signal? Have you ever seen Batman? Oh, you mean referring to actual Batman? Okay, <laughs> I thought there was some sort of actual animal bat signal. Oh, no, no, no. I was like, what's a bat signal? I mean... <laughs> I meant like the lighthouse was pointed at the sky. Right. Acting as a makeshift bat signal. I see. I was saying it was leaning so much because of Eileen Moore that it ended up pointing to the floor so no one could see it. Oh, I see. So I was leaning backwards, you were going forwards. See, that's where we just weren't on the same page though. Yeah, that's it. In a parallel universe, we were both correct. Absolutely right. So uh, do you just want to turn off your mic and then you can talk to yourself and I'll just get through the story? Yeah, sorry. It's all right. I'll be dead 30 minutes earlier. (laughs) So, on the 15th of December, 1900, a steamer travelling from Philadelphia to Leith made an entry in its log noting that the lighthouse was not functioning due to inclement weather conditions. After the ship arrived at the port of Leith on December 18th, the observation was reported to the Northern Lighthouse Board. However, unfavourable weather conditions prevented a relief vessel departing as scheduled on December 20th. It wasn't until noon on December 26th that the relief ship finally reached the island of Eileen Moore. At the time of the incident, the lighthouse was staffed by three individuals, James Ducat, Thomas Marshall and Donald MacArthur and a fourth man would periodically stay on shore rotating one man for another every so often for time off. So upon the arrival the crew of the relief ship were confused as they arrived. The flagstaff stood empty without a flag and the provision boxes that were usually left on the landing stage for restocking were unusually absent. Most unnerving of all and the strangest of all none of the lighthouse keepers were present to greet them ashore as they normally would be. Jim Harvey the captain of the relief ship made attempts to reach them by using the ship's whistle and firing a flare into the air but his efforts proved fruitless as the missing keepers made no appearance. So what are you thinking so far? I'm going to give you permission to interrupt me this time. I don't. (laughs) I'm going to lose weeks at this rate. I'll tell you what, if you make a good point, I'll give you 30 minutes back. Oh, okay. Um... But if you don't, I'll I'll quadruple it. (laughs) Can I just stay silent and keep as is? (laughs) No, you've already started now, so... (laughs) 
Okay, what could it be? It could be a phantom lighthouse that never really existed. Uh, well, so it's like been pulled into a parallel dimension. Maybe it fell in the sea. I mean, the lighthouse was still there, they're just the people weren't. Uh, maybe it fell in the sea, they fell out, and then it It, it climbed back. back up. Yeah. <laughs> And then it starts leaning. Can you imagine, like, if you're on this boat making a pass and then you you see this lighthouse just climbing out from the rocks <laughs> underneath the water? <laughs> well, fucking hell, mate, I went a little bit too far that time. Fell into water. Yeah, exactly. And it's like checking, it, checking its pockets for its crew members. Like, oh, shit, I think I've left him in sea. <laughs> and you just see Batman symbol in the air. <laughs> Batman coming in, but he gets blown off course because it's... Uh, yeah, I didn't actually mention, this island is, like, super high up northwest of Scotland. It's like a tiny little island. Oh, right. So, like, it would be very cold, and uh, no Batman would be able to perform his function up there. Okay. So, naturally, eager to try and find the men, as well as satisfy their own curiosity, a small boat was launched. Aboard, alone, was Joseph Moore, the relief keeper, slowly making his way to the desolate shore. As he set foot... as What, you eating? Oh, sorry, I was just... I was getting something to blow myself. Okay. <laughs> that has become a podcast favourite. Let's listen to Jordan blow himself. <laughs> At least it's not in the shower. Is that why you wanted to stop the FaceTime calls and just go to voice calls? Yeah, it was just slightly putting me off. Can't do it if someone's watching. It's like when you go to the urinal, isn't it? Stage fright. You know, if someone's right next to you, ah, you just tense up. Just tense up and get a ginormous boner. (laughs) (laughs) The tensing only ever happens in my penis for some reason. Look what you've done to me, mate. My dad once... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, honestly, my dad once said to me this joke. He said, I was in the urinals, and I said to this guy next to me, God, I wish I had a 10-inch cock. Instead of this huge thing. <laughs> that wasn't a joke. That's what I said to him. Oh, okay. Maybe it was just a true fact then, yeah. Before I beat him with it. Oh, God. <laughs> Moving on, please. Okie dokie. As he set foot on the shore, a sense of foreboding engulfed him as, to his dismay, he discovered the entrance gate of the compound shut tight, as well as the main door still completely closed and locked. Upon entering, he found the beds left in a state of disarray, as if hastily abandoned. The haunting silence of the unwound clock was deafening as its hands were frozen in time. Anything? Sorry, I am listening. I'm just enjoying some Cadbury's Heroes while you're talking. Oh, delicious. You bring enough for the rest of the class? <clears throat> no. Well, if you just save us one. Okay. Because, um... Sharing is caring, isn't it? Yeah, I've kind of got the taste for it now. <laughs> Ironically, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything else except having one of those Cadbury Cream Egg Heroes. Mmm, delicious. Well, don't rub it in. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you what it's really flavoured as. Just, just egg flavoured. But it's not though, is it? I don't know. I don't eat scrambled egg and I think, mmm, Cadbury. I do. I cover my eggs in chocolate. That's such an awful image. <laughs> Takes a fucking hell of a lot of work as well in the mornings. Sometimes I'm late for work just turning up with chocolate around my mouth and egg down my top. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so, baffled, Moore returned to the dock to report what he had found. But determined to unravel the macabre mystery, he ventured back up to the lighthouse, accompanied by the release ship's second mate. Why why are you keeping doing this to me? Sorry. All I can hear is, Russell, Russell, I'm gobbling some sweets and you're not, you bastard. (laughs) I'm sure you're just doing it closer to the microphone as well, just to really cement it in that I've not got food and you do. I don't know what you mean. I can see you! This is like part ASMR, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's uh, really relaxing me as I'm telling you this horrible story of four dead men. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you. This is very rude of me. It's fine. It's partly my fault. This is a partnership and we take every point as 50-50, okay? Yeah, except episode 22. That's all you. You take that back. (laughs) I've got reviews to prove this. Yeah, putting the U in reviews. Fair point. 
So he ventured back to the lighthouse, accompanied by the release ship's second mate, their nerves on edge. Every step echoed with trepidation as they combed through the dimly lit corridors. Their searching gazes fell upon the lamps that had been recently scrubbed and replenished with fuel. A shiver ran down their spines as they stumbled upon a raincoat, implying that one of the keepers had inexplicably and unusually ventured outside without them. Bearing in mind this is a very fucking tiny cold island, you would have probably assumed it would be wet and rainy, and they would always have their raincoat on them, so it's strange to see that. Yeah, that's a very good point. And yet... The most bone-chilling part still awaited them. There was no trace at all of the Keepers. No sign of their presence within the sinister-feeling confines of the lighthouse, and for that matter, there was no sign of them anywhere across the desolate island. So, I think you said, is this quite a small island, then? Yeah, it's, like, super tiny. If you look at it on Google Maps, like, you can barely even see it. I don't even know how they fit a lighthouse on it, to be honest. Maybe that's why no one's there, because you can't fucking walk across anywhere. (laughs) They're on the wrong island. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's just if this lighthouse is taking up all of the fucking island, where else are you going to go? Is that all you fall in? The sea. He's <laughs> built it on the seabed. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it does lean after all. So the release ship reluctantly departed, leaving them alone on the desolate island. Captain Harvey, burdened with an unnerved sense of unease, promptly dispatched a telegram to the Northern Lighthouse Board, and the message read, A dreadful accident has happened on the Flannans. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. The clocks were stopped and there were other signs indicating that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to rescue a crane. See, it's just what I said, because they can't get round the friggin' lighthouse, taking up all the room. It does get a little bit weirder. Okay, I'm holding on to my nipples. Thank God you've been listening. So, upon the desolate expanse of Eileen Moor, the men embarked on their arduous quest to find the fellow light guys, their souls gripped by an insatiable curiosity as they delved into every nook and cranny in search of clues. The East Landing, the untouched realm of eerie stillness revealed no hint of disturbance whilst the west landing bore the ominous scars of a recent storm a box once nestled at a height of 33 meters above the relentless sea levels lay shattered and strewn across the surrounding area its secret exposed to the merciless elements iron railings once guardians and protectors were now grotesquely contorted while the iron railway was torn from its concrete moorings laying defeated as a testament to the destructive forces at play and atop the unfathomable cliff towering above 60 metres above the tumultuous abyss, the very earth itself had been savagely torn asunder. Grass and earth ripped from its bed, and a rock weighing more than a tonne had been inexplicably moved as if nature itself recoiled in horror from the unseen terrors that unfolded upon this forsaken isle. Many adjectives were said just then. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was like a five-word sentence, but I just... <laughs> Stuck a load of stuff in just to really, really fill it out, you know, make it sound good. More like a five-sentence sentence. sentence. (laughs) Jesus. I I felt like I needed to take a breath myself. (laughs) I don't know if you could tell I was running out at the end there. (laughs) You did well. Just make sure you do it from your diaphragm. It will last longer. I don't even know what diaphragm is. You know when you lie down and you breathe? No, I I never actually know when I lie down because generally by the time it comes to bed, I'm so blackout drunk that I'm asleep before my head hits the pillow. (laughs) I I see that however many weeks ago when you said that you're going to stop this drinking, that's gone well. (laughs) Yeah, what my brain actually thought I said was keep up the drinking, in fact, double it. Was it that you were just that drunk and hungover when you said it, you don't remember? Well, I mean, I, I can't remember, so possibly. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I've got recordings, I'll share it with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to our shitty podcasts. Especially 22. Oh, would you let it go? <laughs> Every time you say it, it's like a dagger in my kidney. Oh, that's probably the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well done. <laughs>
So, nothing ever really came of the search. The poor gentlemen were never found. Moorhead wrote in his official report, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up till dinner time on Saturday the 15th of December and that they had gone down to secure a box in which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc. were kept, which was secured in a crevice in a rock about 110 foot above the sea level. At that, an extra large sea had rushed up the face of the rock, had gone over them, and coming down with immense force had swept them completely away. So that was what he said it was. Right. But that wasn't the end of it, because from here, there is one more bizarre point to make. Okay. So, from the perspective of the general public, the report did not really seem a reasonable conclusion. Speculation quickly spread, giving rise to theories such as the men had been devoured by a colossal sea serpent or abducted by an enormous seabird. Another theory proposed was that they had departed the island by boat in an attempt to evade debts. Another claimed that they had been whisked away by a spooky ghost crew of a spooky ghost ship. (laughs) And some even claimed that foreign spies had kidnapped the men. Okay. Could be either, but further scepticism surrounding the official investigation was raised when a logbook surfaced, apparently containing perplexing entries spanning from the 12th to the 15th of December. According to the first entry, Marshall allegedly described an unprecedented and violent storm as to the likes he had never seen before that had struck the island. He went on to mention Ducat's uncharacteristic silence during the storm, as well as the unexpected sight of MacArthur, a usually stoic, burly man with no real public sensitive side to speak of, unusually openly crying in the corner. Subsequent entries told of all three men engaging in prayer while in the middle of the colossal storm, while a third and final entry simply read, Storm ended. See calm. God is overall. So now there is a bit of speculation that these journal entries were added in later to add some spooks into the mix. But even without those, my general thought is that the story is very fucking weird in itself. Mm. So like these men just went missing on this desolate island and were never found for whatever reason. And uh, the, the fact that the food was on the table, the beds were unmade, the doors were locked, the guy went out of the lighthouse and didn't take his raincoat with him. It, like this, They left in a rush, just all kind of seems a bit weird. So yeah, even without those journal entries, still a bit crazy. What do you think? Yeah, that is odd. Especially considering there's apparently nowhere else they could really be on this island. Exactly, yeah. I mean, like they were, it was searched like, from top to bottom and it's not as if they could have just quickly jumped off and done one for a bit. <laughs> Probably not for a bit. It would be permanent or not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that nothing has ever come of this. No, no, still still unsolved. How strange. Do you think it was a legit thing, or do you think it's something that people have set up in hopes that it would become this really interesting story that it has? No, I think it is a genuinely true story. Like, these men did go missing, and they don't know why. Obviously, the journal entries, like I said, was it's been speculated that they were in added in afterwards to add a little bit of creepiness to the story, to make it kind of right. give it a bit more of a power normal air to it but yeah it was a true story they did go missing on that island Mm. what do you think happened aliens of course yeah a pyramid landed on the north side (laughs) the aliens were like oh if you uh divide my head circumference by the base of this then you get the pi accurate to 0.5 percent of the world's rotational pull of your mum and i was like (laughs) you know they were just like the guys were just like i can't deal with this i'm out of here and they just blasted off to space (laughs) Fucking jumped in the sea. <laughs> yeah, this man. Yeah, they walked up to the aliens like, hey guys, nice to meet you. Oh, welcome to Earth. And then they started spouting all that shit. And they were like, fuck this. <laughs> Peter, come with me. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd have enough of this for fucking episode 22 of that shitty podcast. I thought I was done with all that bollocks. I think that is absolutely plausible. Mystery solved. Yeah, we should add that to the history books as definite proof. <laughs> They were like, where's your proof? Episode 22. Boom. There you go. Well, God, that'd be enough to send anyone over the edge of a cliff, wouldn't it? (laughs) 
Speaking of, uh, we just had another review big up. Oh, God, brilliant. Your newest factual episode was so interesting. Oh, nice. It was someone who's uh, enjoyed it. That's, yes, yeah, positive. Interesting how it was utterly... I'm not... I can't even say that. I was hoping Ian would enlighten me with his extensive knowledge in a field I know scant about. Very, very nice. Very nice. But alas. <laughs> uh, but he does end with, Jordan, however, you keep doing what you do. Oh. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, very nice of them. Thank you very much to the guy with a great taste in podcasts. Yeah, thank you for your comments. Yeah, guy with a great taste in podcasts. Thanks for your, your f*** off. Yeah? <laughs> how about that for a fact? Stick that up your ball sack. <laughs> That's not how you treat listeners, Ian. Yeah, well, this listener can suck my toes, right? Because I tried, okay? I tried my hardest. <laughs> I, I tried to give some interesting facts... It's not my fault that maths is too hard for me. I mean, you were very trying, it's true. <laughs> You're trying my patience, all these bloody... Oh, oh, hang on a second. I've just had a, a review pop up on my phone. How interesting. This review has come in from Ian Lover, 48. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, well, it's just... They just sent it, emailed it to me. They said, thank you very much for the podcast, Jordan. Uh... I'll be changing my name thusly to Jordan Lover 48 because those facts that Ian gave were absolutely and utterly shit. Ah, uh, okay. I believe it then. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, I thought you might. It's just a celebratory suite, one second. Oh, they've just, um, they've just re-updated with their new username, Jordan Lover 48. Uh, they've added, P.S. Ian, I hope your balls fall off one day. <laughs> Suck my nuts, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Very kind. I didn't know your parents knew how to change usernames. <laughs> <laughs> I, the funny thing is i showed them how to do it oh and they used it against you yeah oh, they, they told me they were gonna like change it to like uh ian's the best podcaster in the world or something but <laughs> anyway uh i want to hear some of these things i want to know if i do any of these things because what was your headline like the 10 things that everyone does that no one wants to admit yeah basically yeah 10 bizarre everyday recurrences we all secretly do but would never really like to admit to so i know i've done all of these at some point or other and i am kind of keen to know if you have two Ian so we'll find out starting off number one holding your breath when you walk past strangers so you don't breathe in their exhaled air I genuinely thought that was just me because I have horrible OCD so I just thought that was me that's nice to know that it's everyone else as well yeah I know. I've always done this and it's like you walk past someone then you, for me I continue to hold my breath for like a good five seconds or so after they've even passed oh it's nice to know people are crazier than I am though. oh well I wouldn't go that far but exactly it's like your pace quickens as you get further away from them you silently gasp as you take in that fresh, unexpelled air. It's yeah, yeah. Delicious. Delightful. So nice to know that you do that too. Yeah. Number two. Keeping your eyes firmly closed when you go to the toilet in the middle of the night as to not lose any sleepiness and kickstart your circadian rhythm. Very clever. Uh, I My sleep habit is all fucked up so i don't ever do that really i get to bed about three in the morning and sleep till seven. Oh god okay i would probably die yeah i, I, I think i'm pretty much there <laughs> that's why episode 22 was on its ass wasn't it because i even woke you up exactly yeah i mean i think I, my mind my body pretty much runs on coffee and sex jokes so as soon as they run out <laughs> great fuel either way yeah, as soon as they run out i'll be on my ass dead <laughs> So, yeah, if I wake up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, I force myself to try and just keep my eyes closed as much as I can, or at least one eye totally shut, mm -hmm. and I do it in the dark. So I try and keep the tightness in, kind of in hopes that I'll fall straight back asleep. So that's that's what I do. Let me know if anyone else does. Yeah, makes sense. I guess if you go to the toilet with your eyes shut as well, it would really pay off if you had, like, a partner who's into water sports just in case you accidentally miss the toilet one day. <laughs> <laughs> 
my wife would argue that I always do. I've just gained 10 minutes of extra life. There we go. See that nice sex joke. <laughs> Reinvigorated. Good. I'm pleased to be helping. <laughs> Number three. When you walk down the street and suddenly remember something that you need to turn around and go back for, but instead of simply doing that, you act out this laborious gesture. You look at your phone, you watch, you tap your pockets, just to signal to complete strangers that you'll never see again in your life, <laughs> that you've clearly lost something before actually turning around. Like, you're some sort of fool. I'm just too lazy to go back and get it, so I just think, oh, I sight myself, and I just think, fuck it, I'll do without it. <laughs> you just dive headfirst into traffic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, forgot my phone. Time for death. <laughs> oh, I'm looking really suave today, but does a suave person do this? <laughs> Amazing. Number four. Asking what? Even though you heard exactly what the person said. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. You know, I trained myself to stop doing it because I realised how fucking annoying it was. It, especially, like, the worst part of it is, like, if somebody starts saying something to you and then mid-sentence you just look at them and go, what? Like, you haven't even listened to the full sentence yet? That really riles me up when people do that. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're on thin ice, Jodster. I have done it so many times, and it's a bit like a reflex that I can't switch off sometimes. No, I understand that. A lot of these things are a habit. Yeah, but I don't know why. It's not like I didn't hear them. Yeah, God knows. I think it's just one of those things that people do. It's the weirdest thing. So if anyone else does that, please let us know. Number five. Acting surprised when someone offers you a snack when they are offering it to the whole room as well. (laughs) Yeah, as if like you're like, oh, for me? Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Usually accompanied by like an ooh with a big smile and oh, thank you very much for that. Yeah. Oh, how kind of you to offer. Thanks. Oh, and these are my favourites too. Yeah. <laughs> so polite. Number six. When you turn the volume down in the car so you can help yourself see better and find an available parking space. See, I think about this quite a lot when I'm driving for some reason, right? And I remember hearing the reason that you do that. Right. I remember when I used to go driving around with my bandmates and we'd be getting to the venue or whatever and I'd turn the music down as I'm searching for somewhere to park and I'd always get oh yeah because you turn the music down it helps you see doesn't it fucking idiot but <laughs> what it is is if you turn the music down it's then not distracting your brain so you can actually concentrate on what you're doing yeah that does make sense you're not just absent-mindedly driving you know you're now actually like seeking out a place to park and you're looking at your surroundings and stuff so you turn the music off so you can actually physically concentrate on the act rather than <laughs> crash and kill everyone yeah that's a very good way to live I would say yeah yeah best way probably you know just not being dead Pretty cool. Sorry, one second. Uh, another review just popped up. Oh. Uh, it says, I love you guys. Oh, thank you so much. But Ian, what does it say? But Ian, please tell people in the future not to operate heavy machinery while listening to Pyramid. Thanks. Thanks much, Lee. <laughs> Actually, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to start off an episode in the future, completely normally, and then halfway through, I'm just going to cut to pyramid facts, like hard cut to like, the, the height divided by the circumference of the base of the pyramid is actually four times the height of eight sandwiches. Hopefully you're mid-crane driving at that time. <laughs> Number seven. When you can't sleep, so you peek at the clock to work out exactly how many hours and minutes of sleep you would get if you fell asleep right now. Yes, I do that all the time. So annoying, isn't it? And I think, ironically, it just stresses you out even more when you realise you have to get up in three hours yeah yeah do you know there is actually um a form of stress i forget what it's called but it causes you to become wide awake when you get to bed because you're so stressed about the fact that you might not be able to fall asleep yeah isn't that also the same to be said when you know you have to be up yeah uh, generally whenever i do that i get so stressed out that i wake up about four hours early for it 
<laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. You can't sleep. Yeah. So if I know I have to be somewhere like at eight, I generally wake up at like half six. And I'm like, right, right. I've got an hour and a half. So you just kind of sit like waiting. Like right, I'm still awake. I can still get up and get ready in time. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Generally, I, it's such a bad habit of mine that if I know that, say, I need to be somewhere at one o'clock, mm-hmm. I will think back, well, how long is that going to take me? And then I'll give myself like an extra half hour on top of that. And then by the end, it's sort of 8 a.m. And I feel like I can't do anything for the <laughs> rest of the day. Yeah, I, I generally do the kind of same kind of thing. But I see this really irks me. Sometimes like I think like, oh, I need to be here at like 3 p.m. So count for traffic, count for getting ready, getting out of the house, blah, 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 the walk there, whatever. Then add 10 minutes just to be on the safe side. Right. So I always sort of turn up and I'm always like, you know, like five, 10 minutes early for my appointments. But people that go, oh, yeah, we need to be there at three. And it's like quarter two. And they're just still sat there with the TV on doing nothing. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, we'll get there in time. I'm like, yeah, but we need to go. Like, how are you not already like up and rushing about and like sort of getting ready? Like, how are you not ready an hour ago? Yeah, I know what you mean. Number eight. Number eight. When you leave a shop without buying something and you have to remind yourself that you are, in fact, innocent. (laughs) So I've done this many times. Or or a similar one, actually. When you see police walking towards you and you feel the guiltiest and shiftiest version of yourself ever. Yeah. I know. When I worked in a shop when I was about 18, I was serving a police person and I said to them, oh, I feel, you know, I feel a bit, feel like I've done something wrong. And he just looked at me dead in my eyes and went, have you? Nice. I was like, uh, uh, no. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) My only mistake today was talking to you. (laughs) Number nine, coming up with strategies on how you would get away with the perfect crime. Does anyone else do that? I can honestly say I have never done that. And if you have done that, then you should probably be investigated. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> it sounds so weird. Like, I never act upon these, but I remember... Careful what you say here, John. I know. I am being recorded, aren't I? And detained after this. <laughs> I always thought that the perfect murder weapon would be a really sharp icicle. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, you could stab them with this icicle, and then it's going to melt. There's no fingerprints. There's no evidence. Doesn't that seem like the perfect murder weapon? A nice pick. Yeah, but that still exists after the fact. No, sorry. Sorry, I was I was trying to call 911 on my phone, but I can't reach it. <laughs> if you wanted the ice pick to just uh, nudge it towards you. <laughs> yeah, I was asking someone to, excuse me, can you pass me that ice pick? <laughs> Yeah, so you've never done that. No, sorry, sorry. What, what was your what was your murder weapon of choice? I, I'm thinking a sharp icicle. Oh, okay, right. It'd have to be like a very thick one. So I guess it'd take a while to melt. So you'd have to have the time afterwards sort of planned into your murder because you'd have to wait for it to melt. Otherwise, I mean, if you got a, like a little piece of sharp ice out your freezer and tried to stab someone with it, it'd just break. <laughs> They'd be like, what the f*** are you doing, mate? Yeah, oi, dickhead, what are you playing at? <laughs> die, die! <laughs> <laughs> and then throw you into oncoming in traffic. Yeah, like anyone could throw me. And this last one, slightly dark, but I don't think I'm the only one. So do let me know if you do this too, Ian. When you have a sudden, out of the blue thought about how an action would result in death, like swerving your car onto oncoming traffic or stepping in front of a bus. Oh yeah, so like that sort of little voice, that like intrusive thought that said like, like if you stood on top of a cliff that you you could just jump or like if you stood there with your friends, like you could literally, you have the power, you could just push your friend right now. Exactly, exactly that. And 
I find it so weird. Like, I'm really happy in my life. I've never considered ever taking my own life. But I've found myself in situations where I do think to myself, imagine yeah, yeah. if, and you know, I, I thought back to when I was in New York with my wife and we went to the top of the edge, which is this huge skyscraper that overlooks the entire city. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beautiful. It's like there's a glass balcony to take a view with and there's a glass floor beneath you. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought all it takes is just to jump over this banister. Yeah, yeah. And that's a thousand foot free fall to the ground. And it's not because I wanted to die. It's just a crazy thing. Thought, yeah. yeah, I could literally do that right now and no one could stop me. Yeah. So that's my list of things that I think most people will probably do, but maybe never to admit it. Uh, to having done those. I might say that again. No, keep it like that. It was good. Good take. Uh, it was perfect, wasn't Beautiful. it? Beautiful. Such linguistic charm for yeah, me. Yeah, it, keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should end this. This is a very long episode and you've got to get your kids to the dentist. It is, yeah, it's getting... Uh, no, we, we missed that appointment. That was like half an hour ago. You know, I've got to get my priorities in order. <laughs> yeah. I've got to get the important things done first, Jordan. Their teeth can wait. Ah, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> Don't blame you. I am kidding. It's not for another hour. So, thank you very much for tuning in to today's episode of Two Guys What's Up. If you'd like to get in touch, have an idea you'd like us to research, have something read out on a future episode, or even if you just want to say hi, you can find all the links to our socials where you can reach us at twoguyswhatsup.com which will be linked in the description of this episode for your clickety-click pleasure. Don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen to us so you don't miss another episode, and maybe even tell a friend. Share your two guys' what's up truth juice with your friends so they can wake up before it's too late and the reptilians have made their final move to enslave humanity. <clears throat> Little uh, taste of what's coming up next week. Nice. If you're enjoying the show and you're feeling kind, a five-star rating and review in the Apple Podcast, that would go a long way to help us out, and we would be eternally grateful. Oh, wait, Ian, sorry. What? Sorry to interrupt. I've got another one. They just, they just keep flooding in. Of God's sake. It says... Oh. Not your best, to be honest, Ian, but most definitely will never be your worst. Okay. Jordan, as always, perfect, mate. Oh, thank you kindly. User Sir underscore always right 2011. Yeah, thank you for that. That's very kind. I'm sure in the time between this episode today being recorded and coming out, we will have gotten a few hundred thousand more complaints. But can I just put it out there that look like, please, I tried, okay? I admit it was horrible. I'm never going to do it again. So please just zip it because (laughs) if you go back a few episodes, you will hear me talk about how delicate I am. And I am literally just a head with a little bit of spine hanging out the bottom at the moment because I'm just crumbling (laughs) under these horrible, horrible words. It's all right. It could be worse. Oh, could it now? I mean, not much, but... You just just haven't read out the bulk of the emails yet. (laughs) Tip of the iceberg, pal. (laughs) Okay, well, let me get through this so I can go and cry myself to sleep. Of course. Sorry to interrupt. And don't forget, we now have a Patreon, where at the moment, for just £3, you can grab yourself our first piece of Two Guys What's Up merchandise, which will obviously be worth a fortune in the future, so make sure you grab yourself one while they're still fresh off the press. And as an added perk, along with a badge, you also get a shout-out, which is what we're going to do right now. So special thanks to Not Crablador. Our very first patron. Thank you for becoming one of the guys. Thank you so much for your support, and we hope you're enjoying your new fantastic badge. So, George, do you think that guy is actually Crabbledore, and he's just trying really hard to make out that he's not? Because Crabbledore was actually pretty upset that I just wouldn't give him a badge. So I'm thinking he's maybe just made the Patreon to actually get his hands on one. He never returned from Egypt, so... And funnily enough, the address that I put on the post to send him the badge was actually addressed to Egypt. I mean, it seems very likely at this point. Can't lie. That bastard. I mean, not really. I mean, he's helping you in his own way. <laughs> I just want the blood job. 
But seriously, thank you for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Make sure everyone you keep your eyes peeled on the Patreon. More perks should be coming soon, and the link will be in the description. But on that note, thank you for listening. Have an amazing week, guys, and we will see you next Monday. Bye! Bye. Oh, I was going to stand up and rest me poor balls a sec.